You're listening to Pathfinders Pod, conversations with entrepreneurs in response to the current COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Tessa, and today we're doing something slightly different on the pod. We've asked two entrepreneurs and members of the league, Ryan Shepard and Julio Rosa, to meet for the first time on Zoom to share with each other their work and experiences in relation to COVID-19. There's so much authenticity in this episode, and it feels like a real privilege to have both Ryan and Julio's time speaking on some very important issues. I'll allow them to introduce themselves to you now. Hey, Ryan, I'm really excited that we're having this conversation. I love that we're both part of the league. I'm Julio, Julio Rosa. I work for UNICEF, and specifically, I work on a project to try to get millions of people to be a movement for children around the world. So I wanted to just ask you, start with, you know, who you are, uh, what you work on, and, and get us going in this conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Julio. Good to meet you here. Uh, I'm Ryan Shepard. I work for an organization called CARE. Uh, so in a similar space as you, uh, our work is focused on uh, social justice uh, and ending poverty around the world. We're active in about 100 countries. We've been around for about 75 years. We center women and girls in, in all of our work. My specific role is leading our global innovation hub, which is based in Atlanta. I'll talk a little bit about how that's evolved as the conversation goes along. Uh, but when, when we kicked off, I guess, less than a year ago, we were both a co-working space that would look to work with U.S.-based organizations, some nonprofits, some for-profit with social impact goals. Uh, and, and we would support programming that took CARE's best practices from around the world and tried to bring it to relevant issues in the U.S. And obviously, the world has changed a lot since then. But, you know, I wonder, uh, on your end, how is COVID-19 impacting you and your work? Because it's certainly changed a lot for me on my end. Well, interestingly enough, you know, it's it's kind of an odd thing to say, but but for me in my work, I, I actually see it as an opportunity. So the project that I'm working on, I think, could be seen as innovation. So I'm really excited to hear about what you do, because yeah. we're really talking about shifting the paradigm of how UNICEF uh, interacts with each supporter around the world. So, you know, we, we, while people have the expectations that we should be sort of Netflix and Amazon when we're talking to donors, volunteers, and advocacy supporters, the reality is we don't operate that way. So what we're trying to bring into the UNICEF is is new marketing strategies, uh, new technologies to make us operate differently. And, you know, while COVID is hard and, and basically all angles, the reality of it is that it's just pushed us all to be digital and make they made us all yeah. interact differently with our emotions online. So yeah. how it's affected my work, it's pushed everybody to do everything that I've wanted them to do in the last couple of years, in the last three months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that, that, that's fascinating. I mean, there's some, I, I can empathize with a lot of that because kind of, as I mentioned, so there was a, a large portion of my work that was previously built around like in-person collaboration, co-working. In, in Atlanta, where our headquarters is, we had about 40,000 square feet of space. I, I'm not sure what that translates to in meters, but blame it on me being a silly American. Um, but we, we have- About 4,000, about 4,000. There we go, perfect. 
And so we, and then we also had about eight partners from different types of organizations, all with shared values. And we all worked out of the same space. We had events, we had conference rooms, we had all of this stuff. And then all of that came to a screeching halt. And I think it's been fascinating to see how each of our partner organizations has adapted, but also how we've had to shift some of our focus. So we would do a lot of things to try to build connectivity. And um, we had like a, a speaker series and we do like this Tuesday event. And we've moved much of that online and seen a really interesting kind of response to it. Attendance is up. Engagement is higher. Um, people are actually looking forward to it in ways that, you know, we couldn't have even predicted. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's been fascinating to see how many of these things that we thought were, quote unquote, not possible in the digital world are happening now because we have no other alternative. And then with uh, CARES work. so. And we've done a ton of humanitarian response work around the world over the years, but never in the U.S. And so this is the first time in our history that we have deployed some of that programming domestically. And so now I have this whole new piece of my job that didn't exist before, but it, it's exciting and it's cool. And, and like, I also think it, it speaks to a, a deeper value that I share in, in, in part of kind of this entrepreneurial thing, right? Like, the humanitarian aid world has in a lot of ways been very colonial. It's been a lot of like global North telling global South what to do. And if you want our money, you have to do it this way. And the reality is we know that that's just not the way that the world works. There's so much that uh, we can learn from each other hard stop. I mean, each of us bring different sets of perspectives and life stories. And so it's been really special for me to be kind of at the center of this model where we're, I'm in touch with my colleagues in the global South, like, hey, well, we got this issue. Can you help me? What, what would you do in this case? Or advise me on how we could organize these folks and that type of thing. And so to me, I think it, it speaks to, you know, a tremendous paradigm shift where we look at countries and organizations and folks really from all around the world. And even in some, what some folks would consider unlikely places, leading with best practice, advising and guiding us through all of this. So that's been equally exciting and fascinating for me. Yeah, that's the, I mean, it's really great to hear you say that because I think that uh, we've experienced something very similar um, and, and, and that has to do with this understanding of Northern countries, you know, in terms of, yeah. you know, European countries, the US and others, um, have, beginning to understand what's happening in the global South in many cases, you know, and, and I think yeah. to me, what I've also seen in my colleagues and also our partners is sort of what is the role of empathy in that? Like, how are we actually yeah. understanding each other's positionality? And from that place, we're able to enter conversations about partnerships, enter conversations about listening yeah. and learning, you know, where before sort of, you know, first world was always right and third world was listening, right? This terminology mm -hmm. is all old now and everyone is understanding yeah. that nobody has the answer and everybody's got to listen to different contributions. I think at, at another level for us too, like it's been sort of watching the, the fact that diversity itself, you know, in terms of diversity of opinions and who's at the table yeah. answering these questions is very, very different. I mean, our partnerships, yeah. you know, whether it be with business or again, what we're doing specifically with individuals 
are starting to look different where, you know, before when we said there's just too many rules, you know, to access this yeah. money, there's too many forms, there's too many processes. You know, our executive director is a pretty outstanding woman. And, you know, she said to us about a month and a half ago, she's like, I just, you know, you do such amazing work and I know how many hours you devote to doing it. We just have to cut out 40% of our processes. You know, like yeah, we just yeah, have yeah, to be yeah. able to move to move faster. And you know, and when she says that, I think if she had said that before, we would have been like, how can we, you know, like and ask questions about, you know, due diligence and et cetera, which I think is of course right. important and we all do. But right. now it's like we have to do it, right? Because there's yeah. another level of this. And I actually want to ask you a question around this, is how have you seen not just the impact on sort of the strategic direction and the new processes that you guys are using but like how is that impacting people in teams or in their families and this idea that you know when do we stop working because both right. you and I you know as you said you know we both do humanitarian work and as far as I'm concerned when I pledged you know my pledge was I am working when people are in an emergency always 100% yeah. of the time, but I have a, yeah. I have a loving husband. I have a son, I have a family. So yeah. how are you guys handling it on your end? That's a good question. So I think, and this is something that I think we're all still trying to find the, like the boundaries around. So from a productivity standpoint, I'll start there and then I'll go to what actually matters, like the people side of it. The, the argument I think was always like, Oh, well, productivity will slip if we go into these remote environments and, you need to be in the office at this time. You need to be here and there and there. And someone needs to be on top of you. I think this has completely dispelled that myth. I've seen my teammates go above and beyond, be present, be thoughtful, be effective. Outputs are just through the roof, right? Like we, there, there's been nothing that I've seen to validate this notion that you must sit at a desk from nine to five at one location in order to get anything done, right? And so that then shifts for me to looking at the human side of it, which to me is always the more important thing, right? Like, what are the things that we're doing to really release, like, the human potential and to uplift each other and to be supportive of one another? And I think that's where we have tremendous opportunity and we have to be sure not to kind of lose that in all of it, right? And so when you talked about your family and, and how important it is to spend time with them and some and sometimes you just have to make tough decisions that say hey in order for me to show up best in this crisis i have to unplug for a bit i've got to spend time with my husband i've got to spend time with my son right like that is really important you have to make that decision no one else can make that for you and when i look at folks on my team you know i see a similar thing where we, we try to have like a very non-hierarchical approach at least in my core team we're all kind of really collaborative. We generally have good relationships with each other. And so we have the ability to kind of check and push each other in, in certain ways. And I have a team member in particular who, you know, it's been a tough time for a lot of reasons. And we have the relationship where I'm saying, hey, I get it. We've got a bunch of stuff that needs to be done, but you're tired. You got to unplug for a second. You got to spend some more time at home. You got to go go for a run, go for whatever that thing is that makes you feel energized. And so I, I hope that we can lean on each other to do that. I hate running. I absolutely positively hate running. Me too. And I'm just, <laughs> and I've been running. Like I never thought I would oh, do wow. that. Oh, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, I trust me, I hate it. Every time I go out, I, I hate it. And I, but I've been pushing myself because I'm like, all right, I've got to find 
some productive outlet. Otherwise, I'll sit in front of my computer all day because there's just never enough hours in the day. And I think that the gift and the curse of the work that we do is that it's deeply emotional. I mean, these are like real issues that impact other humans. And it's hard to ever close the computer because you just want to do more. But I remind myself of how important it is to bring my best self to the work mm. because the folks that I'm in partnership That's... with, the folks that I hope to be of service to, uh, they all deserve the best version of me. And, and a part of getting to that is recharging when necessary. So I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm doing the thing I hate most in running. So maybe maybe we're getting a little bit closer to it, yeah? But I've always said that that I either need to be running towards a bus or away from danger, yeah. but never in a gym. In like I'm a little rat. So. <laughs> I like that. I like so, that. Yeah. so more power to you. So you know, yeah. it's interesting that you say that because I think in, in, in my work where I have found opportunity is definitely in those those breaking points of the fact that our lives right now sort of live between the professional and the personal. The UNICEF, yeah. you know, we, we have been, I would say, very, very fast and clear on the fact that we need to take care of ourselves. So, you know, yeah. that means that our meetings should be 45 to 50 minutes to allow especially parents to take that 10-minute break before the next meeting. You know, our our director in my in my case, in the where we're in the, in the fundraising world here in Geneva, you know, he sends a message to everybody twice a week. You know, and we have a sundowner every exactly. Friday, and that's really to not more than the the act itself of spending half hour together in the week. It's the representation that taking that moment to you know have something to drink and spend time with friends even on zoom etc like is important for you taking care of yourself so as you said that you can show up the next day in a different way and at the same time yeah. i think we're just relating to people differently because before yeah. you sort of passed them by the hall now when you're in a zoom right. call for 15 20 minutes you know the first question is how are you doing how's your family and yeah. that breaks it's like an icebreaker of of kinds yeah, let me yeah. let, let, let me ask you another question cuz I think we probably have another three to four minutes in this conversation. Um, When you think about sort of the disruption that this has caused, COVID has caused for the nonprofit sector and, and, you know, what what makes sense here that we can take away? Like, what are the things that have come up for you? Yeah, so I'll actually build on something that, that you were just talking about with the ways that we're relating to one another. One of my hands down, not one of the, my favorite thing about this world is being on a Zoom call and seeing someone's kid, someone's cat, someone's <laughs> spouse, someone like that is like my favorite thing. I get such a kick out of it, right? Like, and and what I think is so fascinating and cool about it is like it has humanized everybody. Like, you are not the like polished and put together version that we I think kind of had grown used to <laughs> presenting, right? It's like, no, you, you have very little control even over your household. So you can't fool me into thinking that you've got all the answers. And right? like, same <laughs> for me. I'm like, oh, let me move because uh, my sister has a delivery and my other sister's <laughs> running up the stairs, right? Like, I just, I love that. I love the spirit of what that represents that like, hey, we have, I think, an opportunity to show up in much more authentic ways. We have an opportunity to relate to each other in much more human ways. And that gets at like, okay, now we're, we've stripped away a lot of this stuff. Let's get into this together. So I hope that that's something that comes out of it. 
And I also think that, especially in our sector, and, and this connects to something you talked about earlier, there has, I think historically, there's a there's this divide and this otherness and like, well, this group has the answers and that group has all the problems. No, forget about it. There's a number of folks, I'm sure, who would never believe that this single thing could bring the entire world to its knees, right? And I hope that it's a moment for us to recognize that particularly in our space, the nonprofit space, humanitarian aid space, that, you know, we are a collective village in this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have yep. an obligation and a kinship to one another. And that, the, the, these like power dynamics that have historically existed, forget about it, right? Like we can learn from each other. We should be in community with each other. And I hope that we feel much more comfortable doing that because um, it can be awkward, right? We, we all certainly have our differences and that's part of what I think adds the texture, but being able to have the courage to show up that way, um, I, I hope that comes from it. And I think it'll lead to better relations and outcomes for it. Uh, I agree with everything you said and, and, and add, I don't know if it add this layer, but perhaps put focus on this piece, you know, working for, for a UN institution and trying to change its paradigm on how it relates to individuals was really well represented or said by a colleague who said, we're yeah. trying to make a 75 year old dinosaur dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You there know? you go. <laughs> I didn't feel that one. <laughs> Please do. You know, and, I, yeah. and I think to me, it's, you know, when we think about whether it be the hierarchy or the leadership, you know, and folks that have been around in the system for 20, 30 years, you know, doing things in a certain way that, you know, in many cases have worked really well. And that's why I think we are successful right. in what we do. And I, I think you're completely right. It's suddenly everyone said, wait, wait, like, you know, this has never happened in this way. And so uh, for yeah. me, it's been really beautiful to see that quiebre. So in Spanish, the word quiebre means two different things. It means a breakdown or a breakthrough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so wow, to me, beautiful. like, you know, it's really fabulous because I think we do have this quiebre that occurred, you know, in, in the world right now. And I think that as we go to the future and we think about the work we do as entrepreneurs and the different things we've tried to bring into these spaces, yeah. I think, you know, sort of these new ways of doing things, these new ways of creating partnerships, the new ways of, not the new ways, but new, new for this system, but not for entrepreneurs, but, you know, different ways of listening to that small voice that's in the back of the room and hasn't said something yeah. for a while, but that you need to say, hey, you know, you haven't said anything. Like, what do you, what would you like to add to this? And being open yeah. to that listening, I think is critical. I see it a lot in terms of also race uh, inside our space. Yeah. And, and, and it's really, really been interesting to see, you know, in, in our case, sort of people of color, people from different uh, countries in the world, you know, especially developing countries, and I'm putting this in quotes, right. to then suddenly saying, look, I have a really clear opinion about this because it's affecting yeah. my community in a very specific yeah. way. And I think that empowerment to come into spaces and speak is it's it's outstanding, and, I, and it really is going to change yeah. us. No, it's true. There are solutions everywhere, and people are making it happen. People are are, are getting through, and we should be open, like you said, to all of the voices that can help us collectively inch forward. Well, I've really, really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, um, so and have I. I hope that we get a, another opportunity to keep talking, and for now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Julio. Good luck with everything. So many brilliant quotes throughout that conversation. Does anyone else feel like they are trying to make a 75-year-old dinosaur dance? 
<laughs> I really loved both Ryan and Julia's moonshots at the end there, speaking about a new way of listening to all the voices, irrespective of our preconceived and outdated notions of who holds the most knowledge on a certain topic. It's such an important sentiment and intention. And this practice of sharing moonshots is something the League features beautifully in its latest publication, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Pathfinding, which launches on July 14th. This guide is designed to help entrepreneurs identify their bigger purpose and create more impact. It's now available for pre-order. Just head to leagueofentrepreneurs.com forward slash pathfinding dash guide. And that's all for today. Until next week, take care of yourself and take care of each other.